Welcome to Niners Sports Talk. I'm your host, Sam Perry. Hope everyone's having a very happy Friday today. We have a special episode today, which includes two guests involved with the men's basketball team. Look at what could be a birth of a rivalry tomorrow with the East Carolina Pirates men's basketball team coming into Halton Arena to take on the red-hot Charlotte 49ers, who currently sit in first place in the conference. But our guest today, we got a doubleheader of guests with head basketball coach, Coach Aaron Fern, joining us. Then after Coach Fern talks to us about this team and how it's been growing this season, we'll have color analyst for the radio, Trevor Wilt, join us to talk about that and his time with Canapolis Cannonballers a little bit. A lot of Charlotte 49er news to talk about today, so we won't really talk much about professional sports this week, but next week we'll make sure we get into the Super Bowl matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers and all the other big news coming out around the Charlotte area for professional sports. But let's just get into it. Men's basketball defeated the Tulane Green Wave down in New Orleans last weekend of a score of 75-71. to 49ers built an early lead and held on to that lead throughout the entire game despite a very valiant comeback effort by Tulane. Igor Milicic Jr. really was the key to winning that game. He led the team in the three major stat categories with 22 points, 13 rebounds, and three assists. And Lukai Patterson still proved to have that clutch gene for the team, coming in, coming through with four free throws in the final minutes of the game to help them win by four points with the 75-71 victory. And as we mentioned before, tomorrow at 2 p.m., Team returns back to Halton Arena, taking on the East Carolina Pirates. That game is nationally televised on ESPNU. Fans are camping out in tents, student sections. It's going to be packed. They've almost sold out the whole arena. It's going to make for a great atmosphere. They're building a little Fernville with students camping out in tents right outside the stadium so they can get that first seat, best seat in the student sections. There's a lot to be excited for from that matchup. And then next week, they travel to South Florida to take on the South Florida Bulls on Tuesday, February 6th. That game's scheduled for 9 p.m. It's also going to be nationally televised on ESPN2. There's a lot to be excited for from that program as they look to remain atop the conference standings. Then as we look at the other team that shares that arena, women's basketball, they lost this past Wednesday in a narrow defeat, losing to Lane 70-68. to had a couple chances late in that game in the final seconds to tie it or take the lead. They just couldn't quite capitalize. The ball wasn't falling their way. Most of the game, they were really in control. But an issue they've had this season, which Coach talked about it, they have had issues building up their leads in games. They controlled the pace here. They controlled everything. They just didn't grow that lead to separate themselves where they could have some missteps in the fourth quarter and they could hold off a comeback like they had. They weren't able to do that. They hit on 30% less of their shots in the second half they did in the first half where they shot 62%. So a lot to look to improve upon there. But in positive news, star guard Deja Lawrence is 23 points away from 1,000 career points. She could reach that this weekend. Their next game is Sunday, February 4th, taking on Temple at 2 p.m. 
that's going to be a big game for them. They get back on their home court, could put in a really stellar performance and join that elite club of a thousand point scorers. And then next week, Charlotte softball season will start. We'll talk more about that in our next week's episode. Baseball season's coming up on the horizon. Should have a season preview article up on Niner Times very soon. So be on the lookout for that. Without further ado, here's our first guest, head coach Aaron Fern. Um, joining the podcast this week is a special guest, head coach from the basketball team, Coach Aaron Fern. Coach, thanks for joining us today. No problem. Appreciate it. Um, coach, before we get into stuff of this season, because it's been a really successful season, especially in conference, look back a little bit. And you made the decision to come join the coaching staff at Charlotte. It's a big decision to move here. What went into that? What made Charlotte seem like the perfect fit for you? Yeah, look, I'd been, uh, you know, coaching in the pro world in Australia. You know, I've been in the NBL for 20 years, you know, ten as, uh, two as a player and, um, you know, an assistant coach and head coach in that league. And um, I'd been with the same club the entire time. And... Uh, you know, it'd been an unbelievable opportunity and um, an awesome experience, and and you know, I was able to grow so much as a as a as a coach and 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 learn a lot from the players I'd coached to the assistant coaches I'd had, and and just obviously being thrown to the fire to coach at that level. I mean, the Australian NBL is a top five league in the world, and and uh, you know, I'd known Coach Sanchez for a long time. You know, back from the Washington State days when one of my former players, Aaron Baines, uh, played for him there at, at Washington State and we'd kept in touch. And he had been uh, recruiting Cody Statman for a number of, uh, for about a year and a half and had come to Cairns a couple of times to recruit him. And, and you know, Cody ended up going to Virginia when Ron was there and and then uh, he obviously ended up getting the opportunity here and, and reached out and asked if I'd be interested in joining his staff to to help him grow and <clears throat> and uh, experience something different. You know, my wife Amy's American, so, you know, I'd kind of taken her away from, from home for a, a long period of time. And, you know, we had two kids and, you know, they'd grown up in Cairns and, you know, Tyler was halfway through high school and Jasmine was just starting it. And so we had to make that tough decision on... On moving here, and then you know, as we know, that's a very difficult thing to do when you're at that age. And you know, Tyler and Jasmine were were awesome through that experience, and it was tough. You know, it was tough to to leave, and got a lot of friends there, and and um, you know, but you know, you know, I knew I'd, I'd known Ron for a long time, and and um, you know, I'd always respected that Virginia program on the success they'd had and what they and how they go about what they go about. And, um, you know, it's been a, it's been an awesome experience so far. And, and again, I've learned so much and, um, cause it's different. There's a different landscape of basketball here. And, um, here I am today. Talking about the different landscapes, having coached both professionally and at the college level, what would you say is the biggest similarities and differences between the two? Well, I mean, the pro guys are obviously very talented and uh, a lot of them are very, very smart and experienced, played all around the world, um, represented our national program, been to Olympic Games, World Cups, you know, um, you know, I'd coached a 
New Zealand tall black that had been a that had been an Olympian and um, you know those guys had more experience than I did at that point. <clears throat> you know, it's the pro world's a lot different. Um, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of expectation to perform. Um, so, but but it's the same here too. Like I I think the landscape here has changed a lot now. It's in essence it is professional basketball at the college level. Um, players are getting paid to play, and there's an expectation to perform, to represent the program at a really high level. I've tried to educate them here on that. Like there is a responsibility to perform. There's an expectation to perform. There's pressure and you're not going to perform all the time and you're not going to succeed all the time and that's okay. But what I want them to understand is that there is a responsibility to go out and play as hard as you possibly can um, all the time. And, um, and failing doing that is okay. And, uh, I think a lot of them don't understand that. I think when they do start to see some things not go their way, I think their defense mechanism is to to shy away from competition and just kind of go along with it. Well, that's not good enough. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I've just tried to take those experiences from the pro world and, and bring them to this level because a lot of them want to be that. And obviously, we've got guys on our staff that have played professionally, and they understand that. And um, we can use our experiences to help educate them. When you, one of your big talking points this season has been, whenever no one wants the credit, you, what you can accomplish as a team. Is that is that part of that message to them, knowing that they need to join together and not just focus on themselves? We have a saying: "It's amazing what you can do when no one takes the credit." You know. Um, because we can all have, we can all have success. Um, when you play to help your teammates have success, instead of playing to try and help yourself have success, that generally is not successful for the team. Um, so that's kind of been the line for us uh, through this. I guess just the way that I want my teams to play. It's always been like that. You know, I coached it a lower budget team in Australia and we were down a little bit of talent compared to other clubs because financially you get what you pay for and um, you know you have to find ways to be super competitive physically mentally um, strategically um, you have to play a certain way you have to learn about to play certain ways in different games on who you're playing um, so yeah, I've definitely tried to do that and bring that here and, um, and the guys have done a very good job of that. Um, you know, I just want to see them continue to grow. This past off season, obviously coach Ron Sanchez decided to leave the team. What was that like those few days between the transition to you being named interim head coach? Can you just walk me through that process? Yeah, it was tough. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. It was, uh. <clears throat> it was extremely emotional for everybody, not just me. It was um, the emotions of being very upset, very angry. Um, and every emotion in between that, because, you know, that following week we had team camp, we had workouts starting, we had players that didn't know who was going to coach the program, were they going to be here, were they not going to be here. Every single one of them had multiple schools chasing them. Um, trying to get them to enter the portal. 
Um, and then obviously it got to the point where, you know, I got the opportunity to, to run the program and the support of the players and the support of the, of the staff and support staff was inspiring. Um, you know, I, I've said this multiple times. I think the, the overall goal, um, of any coach is just to get your team to unite. And, uh, they definitely did that during a very, uh, difficult time. Um, because guys, <clears throat> you know, guys had made decisions to come here, um, you know, to transfer to this program <clears throat> and, um, within a short period of time, you know, the, the head coach that they had, they had, uh, come to play for had decided to make a different decision. And, and, you know, there was some very difficult times for a lot of people, um, but, you use it as a growth experience and we learned a lot about each other and learned a lot about ourselves during that time and we handled it very, very well. And um yeah. We're here we're here trying to win ball games and, and doing it together and and uh just try and power through difficult times, which that was a difficult one, but we obviously deal with a lot of different difficult times during the season and and uh you know, you, you know, I talk about this a lot, you know, like you need to go through experiences together and share them together and lean back on them. And, and we do that from game to game. We, we talk about past games we've played and the things we've done well and not done well. And we can, you know, lean back on that and, and take, you know, the positives and the not so positives from those situations and try and apply them to the, to the new challenges we have ahead of us. When you look at the decision, it kind of puts a lot of the assistant coaches in limbo at that time of the year. It seems like the players didn't just rally for each other or just for you. It feels like they're playing for all the assistant coaches because a lot of livelihoods are on the line. What do you say from the team from that perspective? No, you're spot on. Like, you know, you got uh, coaches that have got wives and kids and kids in school, and um, I was no different. And... Um, yeah, it was a, uh, it was, it was support of the staff. I think it's a reflection of what they thought of us. I talk to our guys all the time. You know, how do you want to be seen? Um, a lot of people out there that observe you that don't know you, but can see you and how you act and how professional you are in this landscape. And um, obviously, the players see us in their eyes and make their opinions about us and how we are as people and how we treat them and, and care for them and show that tough love that coaching is all about and trying to get them to grow. And obviously they were, um, you know, very happy with, you know, especially the guys that had been here. And those guys obviously would have talked to the incoming guys about that. And, and um, you know, that type of um, support and how you're seen is very important for things that may lay ahead for you. Some of the shared experiences this season has been out of conference play, went on a lot of tough road trips, played a lot of teams. How is that – what's been different for the road trips and conference? What has the team learned from that? Because they've been very successful with this long winning streak. <clears throat> I mean, playing at Duke's difficult. <laughs> you know, playing at Richmond's really difficult. Uh, playing Davidson's difficult. Um playing on our MTE, playing George Mason, playing UCF, like 
those are difficult games, really good teams, well-coached, good players. Um, you know, we had some success and we didn't. We were in situations that we could have, should have, would have won games and we didn't. Um, we were in situations where we did. And you learn from them and you, um, you know, sometimes you win games and make some major mistakes and get away with it. Well, you have to reflect back on them and you have to educate your players, um, our staff, things that we have to implement, take away, tweak this, do that, uh, make make in-game changes, you know, between practices, between game changes. Like, <clears throat> that's what you learn. Um, and with the landscape of, of college basketball and the just the turnover of player from year to year is – Disappointing. Uh, you know, if I'm being real, I find it very um, concerning um, just from a cultural perspective. In life, you have to deal with tough times and persevering through that stuff. And I think just the, the message that we send today is just leave, go try and find something else. Now, I think that's going to have a long-term effect um, in their lives after this if you're one of those people that do that over and over and dealing with tough times um <clears throat> so going through that in the non-conference is what helps you grow because like i said it's a an experience that we shared together and we learn from those experiences both individually and collectively and the message that we send at practice about how hard you have to play every day and how physical you have to be every day um, I want our guys to embrace the physicality that's expected in this program, the mental, emotional toughness that's required in this program. And you need to go through those tough times to really get the message through um, or to confirm you know, what we are doing and what they are doing is working. And um, you know, I think that's what's helped us go into um, conference play because the conference is really good. Um, I think everybody out there can see how competitive it is and how hard it is to win on the road against anybody at any time, anywhere. Um, you've got to be on point every night and you've got to make adjustments and you've just got to be tough as nails um, for 40 plus minutes if it gets to that point. And, um, you know, because we all know the tougher team wins and um, if you can do that at a really high level over the course of a season, you're going to have some going to have some success. Well, the team returns back to Halton Arena this weekend. ECU coming to town. It's a big game. Part of the reason we joined the conference is trying to build a rivalry with them. And the fan base really got behind the team with Fernville is what they're calling it, all the camping out for the night. What does that tell you when you see the students really rallying behind the team? Well, I... I think when you're a student, it's that, you know, going to events on campus, whatever they are, is part of being a student. That's the experience that you reflect back on um, later in your life, which I know a lot of our fans do. They talk about those days a lot um, and how fun those nights are to come out and, and get after the opposition and... Um, and uh, create a very hostile environment um, and a building that's very difficult to win in. Um, 
and you do reflect back on them later in your life and you talk about that and and um you know some people may, may meet their significant others here and and um think back on those days and share those experiences together and um that's what's um you know got us excited is that we've been we've been able to you know generate a, a bit a bit more energy and and continuing to build and and this isn't a one-year thing. This has been happening for the last few years. You know, like the crowds are getting a little bit bigger and the student section's getting a little bit bigger and and they're really starting to get organized about what they want to do and, and um, the atmosphere they want to create. And because um, at the end of the day, the students are what drive this thing. You know, like you get, you know, a lot of students in that building um, the fans that come along, they're entertained by them. That's how it works. It's, you know, we go out to play to entertain and the students are out there doing their shenanigans out there and, and um, entertaining the crowd and it, it just makes an awesome experience. That's what it's about. It's entertainment. Um, so that's what's really inspiring and exciting, um, you know, to you know, to hear that the students going to camp out for the game, and and um, I mean that's big time. I mean that's that's awesome. And you know, this is about the team. It's not about me. Like I don't, I don't want it to be about me. It's a, it's about the guys and the effort that they put in every single day, which a lot of people don't see, and it's very demanding. Um, I hold them very accountable, and I expect a lot every day, um, because I know the rewards that they can get if they do do that together every day and um, the success that they can have and the education and understanding that they can get for life, that if they come out and work really hard, you will have, you will be rewarded. Um, sometimes we're not rewarded right when we think we should, but at some point you will. And, um, you know, one of our, one of our trademark words is just work, like just flat out work, work really hard. And what does that mean? You know, what's a behavior that reflects working hard? And, um, I think that's the biggest thing to date that a lot of people do appreciate about this group is that they do work very hard and they are very competitive and they have a lot of joy doing it. Um, and that's, you know, the kind of the atmosphere that we're trying to create. And we've seen that over the years, the student section, as you said, has been building up. Now they've really got the alumni coming in, so Halton Arena has really been a dangerous place for opposing teams to play. And you look at the team this year, towards the end of the games, it seems like Luke High Patterson's really stepped up in the clutch time. What have you seen from him this season and his development with the team? Yeah, we all play different roles, right? And there's and everyone plays massive roles, and and um, you know a lot of the guys have had big moments at big times. Um, you know, DJ's been electric. Um, Rob's had his moments. So has Jackson. Um, Nick Graves has made some massive plays. You know, Lakai has made some big plays. Um, you know, we we just try and put guys in positions to have success. Um, and, um, you know, on different nights and in different situations, we put guys in different positions and, and Lakai is obviously somebody that we put in those positions at times to make plays. And it comes back to what I was just talking about before. There's an expectation to perform. There's a, 
there's pressure to perform and um, he he loves those moments um, he wants those moments and everybody's not built like that you know like the pressure to make the play and the pressure to make the play doesn't mean make the shot like um, he made some massive plays the other night where he moved the ball to the right people at the right time um, but that's what we all have to do uh, that, that's what making plays are so um, yeah he's had his moments but like I said so are the other guys you know DJ you know Nick um, Zay's had his moments you know Dean's had his moments you know like they all have and they, they all play a massive part in the success guys that don't play a lot you know their their expectation to perform every day at practice is hugely important for us to have success the scout team their their responsibility to perform every day at practice is hugely important to our success um so you know everyone is very very important and very valuable is that what you would say has led to the success in conference everyone's been playing their role really well and able to pick up when someone's having an off night yeah, I think you're spot on there. I think, uh, you know, they have roles to play. Sometimes those roles change through injury, sickness, which we've had to deal with a lot over Christmas. Um, you know, through that month of January, basically, we had a lot of injury nursing guys through uh, the toughness that some of them showed was was, was unbelievable. Um, some of them were really sick sometimes and um, really banged up um, physically. And to come out and just lay it out there for the team. I mean, that's that's what it's about, man. That's big time. Um, and a lot of guys did that. Um, and guys have played very important important roles at the right times. And um, but again, that's in the coaching world or anything. You you always want to educate your guys to continue to work really hard, even though that you don't see a lot of playing time but you have to be ready like I was one of those players like the guys can't look at me and go you don't know what you're talking about because you're a star player that played 30 minutes no I wasn't like I was a role player I or I didn't play <clears throat> um, and I had to learn to work really hard every day and be ready and I knew it was my responsibility to to make the the key guys have to work hard every day at practice and challenge them and get chippy and get into them and try and ruffle their feathers a little bit and prepare them for the next game ahead. And if or when my opportunity came about, then I knew I'd worked hard. I was in great shape. You know, I'd put in extra time outside of practices on shooting and so on and so forth that we all do. And, and whatever that role that night would be, well, then I would try and do it the best of my ability like I understand what a lot of those bench guys go through I've been that um, and um, that stuff's really important for your team success looking to Saturday what do you hope to see from the team and from the fan base in a big in-state game well I mean I just look at it as another opponent I know it's it, it's in it's in state and uh, and I know that they'll look at it the same way Um but that's what sports about. It's great to have a rivalry, and obviously it's the first time that we would be able to do that. Um, and hopefully it's a hostile, competitive, 
you know, fun, fun rivalry um, that we can build here over the years. And, um, you know, like we understand that it'll be a good environment and, um, and uh, they're a really good team. They play really hard. They defend really well. They'll be super competitive. There'll be a lot of, you know, a lot of excitement in the building. Um, but as I've talked to our guys about, um, you know, we talk about the huddle, you know, we've got our huddle and, the, and inside that huddle is the most important thing outside of it is, is noise. And, um, we definitely appreciate that noise and, um, the excitement, but there has to be a focus to the huddle and a focus and attention to detail to, um, what we're trying to achieve and what we're continuing to grow to. I've talked about this a lot. We want to be playing our best basketball at the right time of the year, and we're still a long way away from that. Um, and so that's the mental, emotional, physical challenges to continue to power through that. Um, <clears throat> so I tell the guys they never arrive, ever. Um, and we don't as a staff either. We've got to keep pushing, finding ways to get better. Um, and so come Saturday afternoon, we have to be locked in and focused and, and, um, understand what we're trying to do game plan wise and adjustments we have may have to make and then concentrate with that and, um, and go out and play really hard and really competitive. Um, you know, we, you know, we have been able to get on a little bit of a run here, but we've also played some games where we haven't been very good at times and and put ourselves in very, very difficult situations. Um, that does not continue to have success if you're a bit like that. So, um, you know, we've got to get, we've got to get better. We've got to continue to grow and, and be a lot more consistent and locked in and really come out of the gates um, aggressively and locked in and, um, but that's the exciting part. You know, there's still area there to grow and, um, and get better. And, and, um, you know, that's, that's what we talk about and, and try and work on every day. It's like you've said all season, you don't want to peak too early. So having that room to grow in the winds is a really good sign for moving forward. But this is my last question for you, coach. I ask everybody this. It's going to be two parts though, since you're a coach, not a player. Um, what does it mean to you to be a Charlotte 49er? And then since you're a coach, what do you hope it means to your players? Well, as a coach, um, <clears throat> I think being an international coach too, like I'm in very, very rare area. Like there are not a lot of international coaches in, in college basketball. And um, I am extremely appreciative of the opportunity to be an international coach at this level. Um I might get a little flack for saying this. I, I hope it opens some doors for more international coaches. There's some outstanding minds around the world that can coach the game. Um, <clears throat> and it is a world game. Look at all the international players that play college basketball, play in the NBA. Um, and what I'm appreciative of this situation is that you know, Charlotte welcomed me with open arms and there's a lot of really good people around here. And, um, you know, my wife and kids have really enjoyed, um, being here in Charlotte and, um, 
and the growth that we've been able to do and the people we've been able to meet and the um, experience that we've been able to go through and learn has been life-changing. Um, it will be a part of our life that we will reflect back on one day and talk about, like I talked about earlier. And, um, you know, we are very, you know, we're proud of what we've been able to grow here in the in the six year, years we've been here. We, you know, remember back what it was like when we took it over here. Um, it was an, it was in a low point and, um, you know, over time we've been able to grow it slowly. And, and, um, I think what we're doing here this year is just an extension of what had been established. Um, we all want to get to the top on the golden elevator, but you know, it's a lot of steps to get there and you have to take the steps. There's just no, you know, like I said, golden elevator that can just go boom and, and whip you to the top. Um, now, if you've got a lot of resources, and I'm talking about financial resources in this landscape to go really get some talent, well, you know, you can do stuff pretty quickly. Um, we're not yet, we're not there yet in that space. Um, so, you know, that's what I'm proud of to be a, a Charlotte 49er. I think for the players, it's very similar. I think you want to leave uh, the place better than what it was when you got here. Uh, every player that's been part of this program since we've been here, they can sit there and say that they have been part of that and they should be very proud of that. Um, there's a lot of work that's gone into that um, and I'm really proud of all of them from year one to, to here on what they've been able to um, help grow this program and they need to understand that and be proud of that. Um, there's obviously a lot of history in this program and success, and obviously a lot of those players have established the, 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 the tradition and history of this program too. And a lot of programs do have their ups and down periods and, you know, during, the, during their tenure. So, um, you know, we're just trying to be on the up right now and and, you know, obviously the challenge is to try and continue to do that. But, yeah, I, th I think the players should be very proud of what they've been able to grow and establish. And um, if I was a player right now and walking out there on game nights and seeing the energy in the building and, and, and the people wanting to come back and, and watch Charlotte 49er basketball, um, they should be very proud of that. And um, their parents should be very proud of them, of, of their sons, and um, and the people that they are off the floor and and around the, you know, around the Forty Nine er community, and and um, you know, but like I said earlier, just got to continue to work, work super hard on and off the court, and um, good things will happen. Um, thank you, Coach Fern, for coming on the podcast. Good luck the rest of the season. Good luck Saturday. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you uh, having me chat today, and it's always good to do these things and, and uh, tell the story, and I appreciate all the work that you do. That was Coach Fern who just joined us. Now, next up on our doubleheader of guests is Trevor Wilt. He's the color analyst for radio for Charlotte Men's Basketball. He's also a former sports editor here at the Niner Times. Been involved with the program a very long time. So, Trevor, thanks for coming. 
Yeah, this is a blast from the past right here. I'm excited to be with my man Sam Perry, and I guess everything's not called the same. What, Uptown Audio now used to be Radio Free Charlotte, and then uh, but still got the Niner Times still rolling strong. But, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited. Yep, we're going to talk to Trevor today about mixture of stuff, a lot of focus on Charles men's basketball, but he also works for the Canapolis Cannonballers, kind of the face of their franchise over there. With his gold tuxedo, so <laughs> but we'll talk about that a little bit. But Trevor, the team this year seems to be playing a little bit differently, a little more for each other, not just for themselves, but the coaches and everything. What do you see as the biggest difference this season from last year? Yeah, it seems like in, in previous seasons they were playing for, they were almost just playing for Charlotte, like their their jersey, right? They were playing for the CLT or the Bold C or whatever you want to say, but. Now they're playing for each other, and th- and then uh, that of course uh, creates a uh, it creates an avenue for them to play for the sh- uh, for Charlotte, right? So uh, it's so awesome watching them uh, not exactly care about who gets the credit. I know Coach Aaron Fern talks about that a lot. He probably even said it in your interview that he doesn't care about. It's awesome having players that don't care about who gets the credit and. Um, at the end of the day, it's still human nature. Like, hey, I want to get mine, and you're going to get yours, right? But it's it's like, hey, if it's Igor's night, it's Igor's night. If it's Deshaun's night, if it's Lakai's night, it doesn't really matter, right? Or if it's Bobby Buckets, Robert Braswell coming off the bench and banging four threes, like, awesome. Like, praise that and, and keep riding that. And that's what they've been doing. And, yeah, it's, it's changed. It seems like, yeah, again, they're playing for each other, and they're not just playing – uh, for the the basketball in their hand, they're not just playing on hardwood. They're playing for each other, and it's it's awesome to see. You know, earlier in the season out of conference, we saw some issues on the road, closing out games there. This win streak, they've gotten three wins on the road. What have you seen different? Because you get a different perspective than a lot of people. You're on the plane. You're on the bus with the team. What's been different about the way they take those trips than from earlier in the season? Yeah, it's again. You always say, "Oh, business trip," right? With the whenever you're flying out, you have the emoji of a plane and maybe a briefcase. But now it seems again, the boys are still having an absolute blast, right, on the road. They're enjoying themselves, and each year I feel like everyone's always going to say, "Oh yeah, y'all seem more connected." But this year they they do seem they're having so much fun and. You're having fun when you're winning, and whenever you win, it's a lot of fun, but whenever you win on the road, it's even more fun because that's when you come together. That's when you really see, like, who your brothers are, right? That's You, you get them out of their comfortable spots. Like, whenever you're here, you show up to the gym, show up to practice, you do your thing, may get some extra shots up, and you go home. But uh, they're hanging out with each other a lot, especially here on the uh, at home. But, of course, on the road, they're able to do a lot more fun things with each other. And I think he's got a really good staff around him, too. I think he brought in – uh, of course, he he retained some really good pieces. Did Coach Fern, but he brought in Coach Connor, who's again he's a he's a fun dude. I, he he may seem intense on the sidelines. Again, former Boston Celtic, former NBA player, played what former uh, G League Coach of the Year. A lot of people don't know about the experience that Coach Aaron Fern has on his bench when it comes to Vic and his recruiting prowess and. You got Smitty, and the guy can literally go out there and be on the practice team if he needs to, an absolute bucket. You got Byron Dinkins. You got all these other guys out there for him as well. And, again, really excited about the the squad that he has underneath him as coaching staff. But, yeah, just on the road, whenever you're whenever you're winning and, and they're, they're communicating, like it, it's it's crazy. The, the defense is traveling this year. They're communicating um, a lot more, but 
of course, Coach Fern and the rest of the staff and even the players know they can communicate a lot more, right? But whenever you, again, I know he talked about it as well, and I always like to reiterate it for Coach Fern, that shared experiences that he loves to talk about. And sometimes you, you got you to gotta learn how to lose together before you learn how to win together. And they learn how to lose together. Then they're like, all right, well, this feeling sucks. Let's uh, let's start. Uh, let's start. Or what are we doing wrong, right? And then we saw that non-conference. That's I guess going back to your question. You saw that non-conference, and then they were able to early on in conference play. They got punched in the mouth by SMU, who's an insanely physical, insanely athletic team. That hey, welcome to the American. You got a really good atmosphere uh, down there in Texas, and and now next thing you know, you've, you're like, oh crap, this isn't going to be easy, right? They knew it wasn't going to be easy pick 13th out of 14 that apparently wasn't supposed to be easy for him but now uh and winning's never easy but even just playing the game's not easy but they're continue to uh to grow and mature each and every single game and it's not that one percent that a lot of coaches like to talk about exactly but it's just getting better every day right so they're growing together and now they're they're winning together and they're learning how to win and that's a tough thing to do especially dude you got a head coach who's only been here for, what, six months technically, seven months, whatever that may be. I'm not a math major. I can't tell you what from now until June was. But um, I know he's been here for a while. But, again, he's still first-time head coach in college. But, of course, he was a head coach overseas for a while. So guys been there and done that. And the guys are they're buying in. They're playing for Coach Aaron Fern. You talked about the hostile territories on the road. Alton Arena this season's been really electric. It's become very hostile for those opponents. What have you seen? You as an alumni, you've been involved with the program a long time. What's different? How has this progression gone? Well, I think it's awesome to see the leadership of the student section when it comes to – I've met him multiple times. It's the short, skinny dude who's just absolutely awesome. Uh, I love the kid. I don't even know what his name is. Uh, yeah, I know I've met him a few times, and his friend uh, his, his, his friend with the long hair, and then you got the Grinch dude, right – like those are the guys that people build on, right? It's just like any other like organization. You got to have your your leaders, and then if your leaders are bought in, then you buy in, and students are starting to buy in. And even on the opposing side, like on both sides, it's different. Although, of course, I would like for them to still be behind the scores table. I think that's really awesome, um, and I uh, really wish they could go back there. But um, uh, what they're doing now is awesome, and and I think it's starting to exude inside, outside. Like of course, social media, they're doing a great job doing that. They're interviewing Coach Fern, they're interviewing players, uh, they're having a really good time. They're doing the promotional videos. It all starts there, and then it kind of goes from there. And then yeah, it's just getting the word out across the campus. We got a, one of the most beautiful campuses in America, and we have an insanely high uh, rate of people that go to school here. Right, over thirty thousand now, one of the top in the. Uh, on the East Coast, so you got to be able to use that to your advantage, and I think the students are buying in, and again, I think the community, dude, I've had so many alum reach out to me, Trev, can you give me tickets, Trev, can you give me tickets, the guys are hot, I'm like, I've been telling y'all to come for the last seven years, six years now that I've been here, and once you win, that's when the community wants to be like, hey, there's a buzz now going around, so I think that the community is the next biggest step to where this place can go. We just looked on social media right before we we're starting to record this, and we saw that it's sold. Like I think all the student sections sold out now. Um, but dude, I mean, they're still go up top. I mean, you can create a student section up top. Every other school in the nation does it. Big time schools might as well do it here too. But I think the community is the next biggest step 
for Halton Arena to start buzzing even more and, and buzzing like it used to back in the early 2000s under Bobby Lutz. And I give credit to Coach Aaron Fern. He's getting into the crowd, right? He talks to the crowd. He wants the crowd involved. He's pumping them up with his hands. Coach Smitty. Guys, watch Coach Kevin Smith on the sidelines during big plays. He almost sometimes won't even look to the his coaches or his players after a big dunk or big three. He'll look to the crowd and be like, get up, let's stink and go. Uh, they're Everyone's just jacked, and they want you guys to know that they love y'all more than anything. And it seems like the community now is starting to realize and that hopefully they're, they're able to come out against ECU. Now, fundraising is a big part of building a program. We're seeing the building blocks here. The team's been growing successfully each season, We're starting to get the students involved, but students are not going to they're not going to have the money yet. But the students are bringing the energy and building that prowess, getting the alumni involved now. That's the big key to building the program up. As an alumni, can I ask you this, but what's the talk from alumni? They're seeing the way the crowd's being, seeing the way they're playing. Yeah, I mean, of course the alum loves to be able to invest, and then sometimes they like to just invest their time, right? Sometimes that's all you need to ask, right? Hey, you don't have to invest tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars because there's probably only a certain percentage that can actually do that and have that discretionary income to do that. But, hey, come invest a little bit of your time. Come invest 25 bucks into bringing you and your wife out or you and your little son Johnny out that hasn't seen a good college basketball game. There's so many people that live in this Charlotte area that probably have never been to a college basketball game, actually have – one of my, uh, one of my wife's, uh, I guess you could say, honorary uncle that lives on our street. He has never been to a college basketball game. He's never been to any basketball game in his entire life. My man Craig, and he is coming out on Saturday because my father-in-law, a couple of his uh, brother-in-laws, and then now Craig's like, "Hey, dude, I want to come watch some basketball." He's like, it, "They keep saying it's awesome." That's what alum. It, that's what everyone needs to do, right? And so, if your community, you're an alum. Things are fun, but things are only going to change if you start investing. It all starts investing with your time. If you invest your time, that's what most of this athletic department wants because at the end of the day, then you're maybe like, you know what? Hey, maybe start investing a little bit of money into this place. And if you want better players here, if you want a better atmosphere, if you want suites, if you want uh, cushioned seats, guys, it doesn't just come with wins. (laughs) It doesn't grow on trees. It doesn't just come over time. You're like, oh, look, interest rates are going up or what? I don't know, like inflation, we're going to get better. No, that's not how that works. Things get more expensive. So invest your time. Then you start to invest a little bit by a little bit. I mean, dude, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a poor twenty year twenty year old right now. I just got married, so I got a double income, right? I'm just kidding. But uh, at the end of the day, like we're still not going to be able to not going to be able to invest thousands of dollars every single year. But if I invest my time into Charlotte, um, and invest a little bit of money, even if it starts at forty nine dollars, dude, that's where I started at. And heck, that could still be where I'm at. I don't even know what my reoccurring payment is. I probably have someone from the alumni association like, dude, he's not even given the forty nine. I don't even know what exactly it is, but. Even if it's that, it helps so much. It goes so far. So I think there's so many ways for alum in this community to kind of back uh, Charlotte. And it seems, again, I think it all starts this weekend, right, where it's like, hey, you know what? If you get 7,000, 8,000 inside Halton, the place is going to be buzzing. And I, I'm, I'm, and we're not talking about the Charlotte Hornets buzzing. We're talking about Halton Arena. Yeah, you talked about it this weekend, taking on ECU. That's why we joined this conference, to try and build a rivalry with that in-state team. As a fan, because I know you're not supposed to be a fan, but you went to school here. You're a fan. Yeah. What do you want to see from this game? What do you want to see from this rivalry? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, of course, you you have the Davidson, right? You, you have the App States of the world that you play, but do they have their own rivalry? I don't know. Of course, we have the Battle of the Hornet's Nest. I think it, it, it is there, right, with Davidson, of course. Like, I, I hate Davidson. I, I truly do hate them. I know my broadcast partner, Matt Swearad, he hates Davidson, and every single time they lose, it's like it's Christmas Day for him. He'll text me, Trev, they lost today. Like, he loves that. That's, that's, that's how he burns. That's like the burning inside of him, uh, the Niner blood inside of him. And I got it inside of me, and I truly do. And um, I, I know we tried our best to try to stay as, as, as un- unbiased as possible, but we don't have to, right? We're, we're technically through the Charlotte 49ers. So um, I think just watching what Charlotte's been able to do is so much fun and uh, I, I love the the burning power of Niner Nation. It's 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 so it's so evident, and I think that whenever people show up, they're gonna they're gonna see how awesome Charlotte really is. When you look at the teams coming in this game, Charlotte sits in first place. I think ECU's in eighth place right now. What do you hope to see? There's a lot to be excited for for this game, but you don't want to come into it too high being in first place. How do they manage that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think even talked to Coach Fern about that not too long ago where he's like, hey, like I want everybody to get up for this, right? Like This is going to be a huge game, and I don't even know if I fully answered your ECU kind of rivalry question. I think, it, yes, it is going to be absolutely massive for this to hopefully become a new rivalry, right? Football teams, I feel like they're almost at the same exact kind of uh, progression right now, right? And then same thing when it looks at basketball. I mean, heck, they were projected fifth in AAC. So and the Pirates right up the road, they, they a lot of people – want to go to ECU, want to go to Charlotte. So I think that's really cool to have that rivalry right there. So sorry, that was a, probably your your answer from the previous question. And now I'm trying to think of your last question that you just asked me um, about, oh, yeah, how do you not get too high, right? And again, you you got to ride that momentum, um, but you did just have a week off, right? So then making sure the guys aren't rusty kind of coming into the game, right? Once you get into a nice little momentum, it'd be nice to play every three or four days, but it's also nice to rest. But I think Coach Fern is really good at getting his message across. And I think that's the biggest difference with this team that we haven't seen the past five or six years under Coach uh, Ron Sanchez. That I think that Coach Aaron Fern is really good at getting his message across to his guys, not just giving it to them, but like making sure that they know deep down, like, no, this is what I want and this is what I expect, and this is what you guys are going to do. It's not just said. It's 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 executed. It's done. So I think that he's really good at saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, I want the guys to get up for this game. I want the, I want the town to get up. I want the community. I want the students. This is for you guys, but our boys, this is, this is just another game, right? Although they know that there's more on this, but I think that um, the players know that, and I think that Coach Fern, more importantly, uh, knows that, hey, this is a game that he needs to be able to tell his guys, hey, Calm down. Play our game, right? Play our good defense, and once we get the stops, and once we get the big threes and the big dunks, then let's let's go nuts. He's look at this game. He wants to, as he says, like to keep it in his huddle. Let the outside noise speak for itself. But he's still got that interim head coaching tag. How big would a win here against this? What? The program wants to build his rivalry. How big would that be to getting that tag taken off? Oh, uh, <laughs> that would be that's a that's the that's the million dollar question right there. Well, maybe multi million. I don't know. Right? I don't know how the, all these contracts work, but dude, I mean, he's he's playing himself into a coach of the year candidate in AAC in his first year, right? I mean, that's just I mean, that's just point blank how it is how it's going right now. So, um, 
I, I think it would do absolute wonders for him. And again, just he is a guy who's completely bought into the Charlotte brand. He knows who Charlotte is. He knows that we don't have a billion dollar budget, right? Of course, that's just uh, me making up a complete number right there. But he knows who Charlotte is and, and what Charlotte basketball is right now and but what we want to get to. He understands that completely. And so I feel like he's honoring the past, but he's wanting a, a better future, right? So, um, and if he comes up with a huge win, again, with all this high expectation, it's so hard to continue to reach these high expectations. I know he talks about it. Hey, we were hunting. Now we're almost being the hunt, the hunted and can pick 13 out of 14. That's, that's, that's tough for the guys, right? So it's not, you're coaching 18 to 20, what, two, 23-year-old guys. That's stinking tough. And to create their emotions, their, they got relationships uh, on the side, right? They got their families to be involved with. They got whatever that may be, health, whatever, and then basketball, right, and school and everything. It's, it's a lot more about coaching college sports than it is in any other sport. And he's doing a really good job managing his guys and surrounding himself with other people and other men and women um, that can really help manage those guys. So I think this would do huge wonders for the team, and I think it would do huge for Coach uh, Aaron Fern as well. And I don't, you're not going to find probably a bigger fan uh, in Niner Nation than myself and probably Matt Swearad, where two guys, we get to talk to them pregame and postgame. And, again, we're we're not fans, right? But we're, at the end of the day, we still bleed Niner Green. So, um, yeah, we're but we're we're not exactly fans, I guess you could say per se, but we're fans of, of Aaron Fern for sure. Walk into this game this weekend, students are camping out, they're creating Fernville. What's that going to be like? How's that going to build up the hype level for everyone coming out to this game? It's incredible. I mean, Fernville, I, I love that. I, I know they're trying to like rename it because I don't know. They're like, oh, that's what they call it, what Kville and Duke. Duke oh. fans are trying to claim the word Ville. Which screw, they're, they're keeping Fernville. Screw that's what that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's Fernville. I, 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 come on, now, he went to Mayville State, right? And whenever he is he, Mayville, uh, I'll, no, just get out of here yeah. with that junk. Called Fernville. It's I love that. I mean, if they can come up with some other cool name, Down Under, right, or whatever that may be. But it was Lutzville back with Bobby Lutz. Yeah, Lutz. Yeah, yeah. Let's just go ahead and let's let's call a spade a spade and let's just go Fernville. I love it. It had an awesome ring to it, and they've already made a picket sign for it, so you got to keep it right. So, um, yeah, I, I think what the, again, it, it what the students are doing, it it only takes a few to do that. And I know they were doing it whenever the team wasn't exactly uh, meeting expectations, even early this season. That uh, I feel like a lot of people thought right, or even well, heck, I don't even know what the expectations were. Whenever you lose two of your top players and your head coach two months before the season expectations shouldn't be that high but again they were like oh man we're almost winning and then we don't but even the last couple seasons there's so many games where I feel like the fans the, the students kept showing out and I think this is awesome man what CC's pizzas matching pizzas got coach for coach Fern going out there he's going to be doing pizzas too and um, I think they're going to maybe someone I think is doing what donuts and coffee in the morning of the game and whatever that may be like that's incredible Are you kidding me like whenever I was a student here from 20 when did I come here? Twenty what thirteen through twenty seventeen or whatever that might have been. But like, I mean, we were lining up early, right? We were lining up, but no one was camping out for games. Like that was it was Alan Major time. It was the Mark Price time, and we were enjoying it. But this is this is like old school Charlotte Forty Nine er basketball. That this is fun. This is what college sports is all about. We talk about it all the time. 
these are the four best years of your stinking life. Fifth, if you want to take a victory lap. Six, if you want to what get a master's. And seven, if you want to be a doctor. Like, come on. Like, this is some of the most fun times of your entire life right here. Enjoy every second of it if you're a student. And go tent, man. If I wasn't watching my dog with my wife, she's in, she's in Disney right now. So I can't uh, bring Griffin with me to, to camp out. Uh, but I would do everything to come camp out. Like, it's... Hey, this is this is incredible. This is this is what college basketball is all about. We're seeing Halton Arena turn back to that Halton magic with these big wins this season. But talk about how big this game is this weekend. Emotions are going to be riding high. How are they going to bounce back from that game? They got two r- road games this week going to South Florida and Temple. How do you manage the high? Especially if you win that game, you're going to be riding high from that. How do you alleviate that going in forward? Coaching. It's what it, it's what it's what it barrels down to. That's all it is. Because, like you said, it's whenever Coach Fern addresses the team post game, I think he always says, "Hey, it's about all who's in this huddle right there. Forget the noise. Forget anybody else. It doesn't even matter. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter about anybody else. It doesn't matter about what the athletic department's saying, what the tweets were, if there was a whiteout, if there was zero people there, if there was eight thousand people in the stands, if there's Zero people from the community or a billion people from the community that care. At the end of the day, it's all about who's in that huddle. It, it doesn't care about the radio broadcast. Are you kidding me? It doesn't care about other things. It's, hey, who is in that those those players in the huddle and the coaches in the huddle? And, that, and that's why I think this team is different is because that's their mentality. And I think whenever, even if whenever if you win this game this weekend, you got eight in a row, you're still top. You, you beat that, the, hopefully that new rival that you get with the ECU and the Pirates and then you go on the road. They won three straight on the road, right? U- USF, though, they're a dark horse now in, in this conference. They're doing really good under their young head coach, and they got a couple good transfers in there as well. And then you go up to Philly, a place we haven't gone up in forever, right? So I think um, you just continue to play your ball. Um, the defense is traveling this year, which, again, we know that Charlotte's defense has been really good since Ron Sanchez got here with that pack line defense six, seven years ago. But – they, it never traveled. It, it, it would travel probably once a year. That's what you felt. Now it's traveling again because I think it's who's inside that huddle that's changing that. Um, one of the players has really emerged this year, and we've seen his progression over the years, has been Igor Milicic. Can you talk about him both on the floor and off the floor? Because I know he's got a very funny personality. Do you get to see a little more than other people? Oh, talk yeah. About him. Oh, he's one of my favorites, man. Like what, him in an airport or just him in the hotel lobby or on the bus or even on whatever that may be, shoot around or practices on the road. He's he's becoming a pro's pro. He's still a, He still feels like he's a kid. He still feels like he's an 18-year-old kid just because – he is a kid, right? He's in college. I mean, you, you have the right to do that, and he is. But I think what he did in the Polish national team with his dad as the head coach, and he was playing against grown butt men. Like, that's really awesome. Um, so I'm really enjoying what we're seeing from him, the maturation process of just the way that he's diagnosing plays and even his own mental, like, menta- his mentality when it comes to, hey, if I miss a shot, you know what? Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the next shot or whatever that may be. I think each year you're starting to see him or the, over the past two seasons, you're really seeing him mature. And yeah, he's one of the funniest guys you feel like out there, right? But there's a lot of jokesters on the team. I ain't going to lie. There's a lot of jokesters. Uh, but Igor, he's a fan favorite. Um, I feel like there's a, there's a few fan favorites, but I feel like just the whole European thing, right? And you got an Australian coach and uh, with, with Coach Fern. And then I don't know, it's just, it's just different with Igor. And he's not afraid. Uh, He's not afraid to step up to a challenge, and, and, and he can 
you, you see what he's been able to do defensively is awesome, but I mean, offensively, passing the basketball, rebounding, he's taken that to a whole nother level. He's so physical now, shooting the three ball, but able to play in the paint as well. But now with DJ, he's able to play a legit four, right? And and know that he can size over a lot of people, even in the American. So I think he's separating himself from one of the best players in the American. Um, not separating, but showing it, hey, he's one of the best players. I think the same thing with Lakai Patterson, too. Oh, yeah. Coach talked about Lakai. He really likes the late-game moments. But another player I want to focus on, last year he was kind of the six-man spark plug, Isaiah Folks. This season, Jackson Threadgill gets out with injury and sickness. He takes that starting job the moment and he's had it for this whole run what have you seen from him this year what do you hope to see from him moving forward yeah uh, I mean Isaiah Folks is yeah like you say he's been that spark plug I, I call him the bulldog on the team where he doesn't give a rat's behind about who he's playing against he wants to he wants to drive in the paint uh he wants to body you up and he wants to create for others as well so he's been doing really good job at doing that at playing off of two feet something that He's been learning, and again, you continue to see his maturation process and the way that he's able to listen a little bit more. Sometimes whenever he gets out there, he's, uh, I think previously, he was just going off of his athleticism, but now it's like, hey, now I know the offense really well. I know the defense really well, so he's one of the best defenders you're going to find in the AAC, especially just the on-ball defender, right? So he's really good at doing that, guarding his yard, but yeah, just the the team they play a little bit more pizzazz, man. Whenever he's out there, and um, but I think it's also now I think it's an incredible role now for Jackson Threadgill coming off the bench. Where dude, he's played. I know what the uh, what Isaiah Folks is like fifteen and three, sixteen and three as a starter, and they've lost three, those three games are by eight points combined. So like. It's there, right? The, the the proof is in the pudding right there for Isaiah Folks and what he's been able to do. And uh, But Jackson Threadgill coming off the bench, dude, you bring off a guy who can – he's started for the last two, three years? Come on. Uh, that's big time for, for Coach Fern, who's based an extension of a coaching staff. And then another player I want to focus on, he's got the Niner DNA in his blood, Nick Gray. Is, what have you seen from him this year? He's really been breaking out this season. Yeah, it's what his mom, a former 1,000-point scorer for Charlotte in the 90s. Uh, Nicky, and yeah, uh, Nick, has, he, he's he's looked great again. He's a, another guy, just like I say, a folks that's just learning the offense, learning the defense even more. Uh, we call him Hollywood. Uh, just – He's got he's got the hair right. He's got he's got the 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 vibrant shoes that he the the pink on his shoes the 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 Kobe's. I know he's a I feel like he's a big Kobe guy. I know you're a big Kobe guy too, right? Um, with the beans. So, um, but yeah, and, and he loves to he he doesn't flop, but he loves to kind of earn that Oscar right whenever he can. And if he needs to insinuate a foul, he'll do that. So he's been able to again learn his role. He doesn't need to go out there and score ten a night. Doesn't need to score fifteen a night. He doesn't need to. He needs to go out there, kind of run the offense, and get the pace moving. He's insanely quick, insanely fast. He's physical as well. He's getting more physical. He's learning how to drive and actually drive and get through the contact because in the AEC, you're going against guys who, I mean, if you're trying to go around the contact, they're going to block your butt, right? But now he's like, crap, I got to be more physical. I got to get in that weight room. I got to go and tack that chest and almost finish through people. He's getting better at doing that. Um, the shot, it's it's looking really good. And if you talk to anybody and said, hey, who had the best offseason, they would look at normally it was Isaiah Folks and Nick Graves, so the two 
that um, a lot of the outsiders were saying looked really good. So, yeah, I really liked him. And I think Nick Graves and Isaiah Fultz can continue to um, work on that outside shot and continue to work on those drives and, and just kind of being that leader um, and vocalizing more, right, communicating more. I think Isaiah Fultz and Nick Graves can be two uh, pillars here for Charlotte. This is a question I ask everybody. Um, what does it mean to you to be a Charlotte 49er? Oh, that's good right there. I like that. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, of course, I, I bleed nine and green, and, um, and I think that Charlotte's always that that younger uh, sibling mentality, right, or that stepsister, that stepbrother mentality, or that cousin that a lot of people don't maybe care about as much, but whenever they kind of shine bright um, – Everyone's like, man, I like that. I like them, right? right? So I think I think what Charlotte's been able to do um, with the uh, and it's it's so crazy whenever you're in this huge city, um, but everyone inside the city normally wants to leave the city, right? And then it, it's tough for Charlotte, uh, especially for the sports programs to continue to build and keep and retain everybody. Um, but I think for me, uh, just I, I love seeing them continue to grow. I think this could be a powerhouse one day. I truly do believe that. And I think Mike Hill is doing a, a, a really good job out there as well, kind of bringing rallying the troops, whether that be on the basketball side, right, that I'm that I'm on. But, of course, he's got Kara Consuegra. He's got uh, baseball, softball, of course, track and field and all that. Like, things are looking really good. But – I'm trying to think about like what it means for me to be a Niner. Uh, I don't know. That was just me kind of explaining like I think Charlotte is um, is looked down upon uh, so much. But um, man, that's a really good question. I don't even, I don't even know if I have a legit answer for you, man. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever been asked that before. So there we go. Yeah, you've you only been the, a Niner for like ten years. I've all, I know I've been <laughs> a Niner for forever, right? But I don't know. I just I guess that almost that underdog mentality, right? That um, that uh, just able to, to kind of rise up and rise up to the occasion. I think Charlotte's been able to do that. And yeah, it's, it's helped me it's helped put me where I am today. So I'm grateful to be a Charlotte 49er. And, um, yeah, if it wasn't for me being here, there's no way I'd be uh, where I am today. i switch gears just a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're running low on time here. But <laughs> yeah. uh, Charlotte baseball is going to be playing at your stadium in Kannapolis yeah. where the Cannonballers play. What's that always like each season when they play there? I love it, man. I mean, of course, it's bringing my two worlds together. I love again. I got a burning fire for for and passion for Charlotte, and of course for the Cannonballers as well. And that's kind of what I'm doing right now on my lunch break. Uh, so, uh, thanks, Matt Miller, for letting me come out and do this. But um, yeah, man, I, I just I I think it's so awesome. And of course, whenever they come out there and get a win, it's it's really cool, right? But if, whether they're playing. Davidson or App State, but it's just, I think at the end of the day, man, it's just, it's awesome for the community to know that there's so many other places around the Charlotte area, even if it's not in Charlotte, that support the Charlotte 49ers. And again, we're not just doing that just to showcase ourselves. We're doing that to showcase collegiate baseball in the area. That's really good. And so we don't want uh, random Joe Schmoes playing there. We want good talent. And Charlotte's able to bring that with Coach Robert Woodard and his entire staff. And they've been doing a great job. It's be cool if we can somehow. I don't know. Take down the the diamond and or the pitcher's mound and put Acid Chastain out there and then let let, let them kind of go around and and uh, and play some softball one day, mm-hmm. make up a, a crazy fence. But like, um, yeah, it's it's so it's so cool to see the the green and gold and whether it be or white or cream, whatever jersey they're wearing that day. 
um, go and, and play. And you know, I love Charlotte. I love Kannapolis. It's where I call home now. And uh, two of my favorite things in the world are, uh, come together. So it's always a good time. Charlotte actually had the first win in that ballpark. Amen. What's your last question? What's your final message to Niner Nation as we wrap up here today? Yeah, just continue to to support the brand of Charlotte, right? Whether that's the baseball team that you like, track and field, uh, new lacrosse team, whatever that is, man. If you continue to to kind of give your time, uh, invest your time, it, it's gonna it, it's gonna do wonders for this place and. Um, that's what this place needs to do. Of course, whenever we got the football program, it kind of made it not that basketball school anymore, right? And, and it's like, hey, now let's get really good at football. But and if you're just giving a football, it's an awesome thing. If you're just giving a basketball, it's an awesome thing. But if you can just give overall, it's huge. And um, so I would just say continue just to invest. If you can only invest your time, invest your time. If you can invest 49 bucks, do it, man. Because if you got 49,000 people giving $49, again, I was not a math major here. I was communications, and I talked for a living, even whenever I was at Charlotte. Um, if you do that, it's going to go a long way, and you're going to see this place thrive more than you could ever imagine. And I know there's uh, a lot of construction still on campus and around campus, but you continue to invest, then more and more people are going to continue to thrive here. And whether that be your favorite athlete, um, then then you're going to see the fruits of that right there, right in front of you, right on the hardwood. But even if you just give to the university, to the Belt College of Business, right, or whatever that may be, or the student audio right here at Uptown Audio or whatever that may be. I think just continue to promote the brand. There's a lot of really good Charlotte ambassadors out there, and I think the more that we can get, um, we get the Jimmy Touchstones of the world and uh, that continue just to show the Charlotte brand out so, so well. And they can, it's just a positive thing, right? I think just being positive is another big thing that I want to say, like, yeah, like there's gonna be times where you lose a game, but it's not time to fire a coach after one loss, right? You gotta mm-hmm. continue to back them and continue to show up. Coach Carrick and Swagger is doing a phenomenal job. I wish there was more people watching them play because um, they got a really good brand of basketball too. So, and just go out there, continue to support. Um, and again, I bleed nine or green. I'll do that to the day I die. And uh, I, I know there's a lot more other people out there. So yeah, appreciate all this. This is awesome and kind of coming back to my roots right here, which is absolutely crazy just to know that it all started honestly in the kind of the seat that i'm sitting in right now thank you trevor for joining us today and thank you listeners that's all i got for you this week next week we'll be talking about the start of softball season as they're going to kick off their season next thursday but thanks for listening that's all i got for you